Pete McCarthy. The Mets season is done, so the offseason is upon us, which means... For now, at least, three hours, weeknights here at the Sports Zone, as we'll be taking until 9 o'clock tonight. We'll be wrapping up the Mets season. Uh, we'll have Wayne Randazzo pre-post the WOR Mets Radio Network with us in a bit. Some special guests in studio a little bit later as we both wrap it up, look ahead. And, of course, uh, football season now firmly upon us. And unfortunately, that's about over. Uh, now at this point in this town, at least. And, uh, good, uh, to have Dan Grossa in studio tonight is, uh, we'll get to hang out. And, uh, how are we doing, Dan? Pete, great to be here. It's exciting. And, and unfortunately, you know, as we'll get to here over the course of the program, think about this. It's October the 1st. Mm-hmm. And yet the football season, the conversation is almost done with before baseball is even finished. Well. We have plenty to get still riled up about, <laughs> but eventually the emotions are going to start to dissipate. Yes, as uh, well, it's still anger-inducing. I was angry watching the Jets yesterday. For those of you uh, who don't know, Dan, he's pre-post uh, covering the Jets, so he's dove in all day yesterday into gangrene. Yes, and then uh, of course uh, you can see him on SNY. He's very well dressed. I, I got to say for uh, doing Thank the you. radio here, but uh, you're busy. Duty today. calls, you know. Yes, you got to get things done. But uh, for both the the Jets, the Giants, incredibly frustrating weekend as they both lose here. And you know, for the Giants, it's more impactful there because this is a team that thought. Hey, we're running back away. Let's just go out, draft Saquon Barkley, fill in a couple of pieces, a left tackle, and boom, we're going to be a playoff team. And now they're sitting there at one and three, and they look lost. Is there any difference from last year, from what you've seen from this team, really? I mean, I know the faces have changed. You got some other people in the lineup. You know, Beckham wasn't around, Barkley wasn't around, the offensive lineman, or excuse me, the offensive line was even worse last year, of course, if you can actually believe that. And, and I'm sure Giant fans remember. But you tell me, I mean, what you've seen from this team from the first month of the season, does it give you any hope? That it's going to turn around. Now, I actually thought the Giants would be pretty good this year. I thought that they would compete for a playoff spot. But right now, it's just like the same old thing. It, it really is. Well, where I thought they went wrong, it's really counting on this defense to be what it was two years ago. And they were legitimately a top-five defense when they made the playoffs that defense season. Defense was the strength of that team. But last year, that defense did not carry over. And it wasn't much of a reason to think it was going to go back to that level this year. And offensively... You still have a offensive line in progress at best and a quarterback that can't move. That's just an awful combination all the way around. I don't know what the Giants were looking at when they forced the Saquon Barkley pick, and now their future is in doubt. Forget about the present. Well, remember, okay, they elected to take Saquon Barkley because what they were essentially telling you, and this was the belief of the organization, is that we think we can win this year. But they still thought that Eli Manning, and probably still think this, they're not going to be dissuaded by just a month, but they think Eli Manning has at least a couple of good years left of football. Well, okay, if that's the case, take a look at yesterday's game. If you want to use that as like a microcosm, mm-hmm. right? How many touches did Saquon Barkley get yesterday? How many touches did he get? What, ten, ten, and ten carries. Ten carries. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if you're not going to feature him as a focal point of this offense, then why did you go ahead and draft him? Because remember, you think you can win this year. So every game that he is not featured, and every year, if you want to say, that it just completely gets wasted away because... You thought you could do it with this kid. This was a win-now football team, and more importantly, you could do it with this quarterback. Then that pick even looks more like a complete waste because you had potentially a quarterback sitting there that could have been there for the next 10, 15 years. This is the problem, too. It's 2018 in the NFL. 
As much as we love to still talk about the good old days of run the ball down somebody's throats and defense, that's not what wins. No. And I know you could look at, well, when teams have 20 carries in a game for a given running back, the record is that one. That's because you have the lead in the second right. half. You're not running to the lead. You have to pass to get the lead. And then, hey, Saquon Barkley might ice an extra game for the Giants in the second half. But if you don't have the lead at that point, you got to try to come back from multiple scores like you're in that situation the second half yesterday. There's only so much he can do for you. But didn't you think that there was still enough time on that clock, though, for them to abandon the running game? Right? I mean, I didn't think that the lead was insurmountable. Mm -hmm. If they at least kept to the run a little bit, opened things up then maybe for the passing game down the field. Because the other thing you have to remember, Pete, they were taking on a New Orleans Saints team whose defense is not going to make anybody forget the 85 Bears. Ryan Fitzpatrick tore them apart. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's on the bench now, by the way, Mm -hmm. torched them. I mean, this is a team that you should have picked apart left and right, and it all comes back to, again... Do you have confidence in this quarterback? And you could call me an Eli apologist. I've been a guy who has defended him all throughout his career, even defended him last year, saying that he wasn't the biggest problem. But this dinking and dunking down the field, I mean, you look at the numbers, he's going to have a nice yardage total, nice completion percentage, but what is he averaging, about five, six yards a pop? What? And then it begs the question, what did you go ahead and pay Odell Beckham oodles of dollars for? Mm-hmm. He's not a possession receiver. He's there to make explosive plays. But that's the adjustment you have to make when your offensive line stinks and you have a quarterback that can't create time. It's got to be the short passing game because you don't have a chance to run double moves to get Beckham down the field. But do you think the scheme, the Pat Shermer scheme, do you think that it's inventive? Do you think that it is on par with what you see from a lot of these little bit more creative offenses? It's clearly not Kansas City and the Rams. And those are the innovative offenses And even New Orleans, because New Orleans, I mean, let's be honest, Drew Brees is very successful. He's going to the Hall of Fame, as Mm -hmm. he should. But Drew Brees is not a guy who's going to be airing the ball 30, 40 yards down the field. A lot of his stuff is short to intermediate. It's Alvin Kamara. It's it's Alvin Kamara. It's Michael Thomas. How about some screens, Mm -hmm. you know, throws behind the line of scrimmage, and then you get your playmakers into open space. That's what you have an Odell Beckham for. I, I just don't get the philosophy... Because Eli Manning, by trade, is a pocket passer, a guy who's a three-step drop guy, kind of of that old guard of quarterbacking. It's not the way the game's played anymore. Now you got to be able to at least extend plays. And even to Tom Brady, he moves around in the pocket better than Eli Manning ever does. Right. Yeah, Eli, the, it's funny, the definitive play of his career is, of course, the, the Tyree catch, mm-hmm. and he's able to move around and create on that play. He hasn't been able to come close to making that kind of play over the last five years. He's a statue. He's like what Peyton used to be, where someone would breathe on him and just go down, and that's it. End the play, you don't want to take the hit. That's what you're looking at these days. And a lot of times, you know, like you hear about a quarterback in that term mobility, right? Everybody expects to see Steve Young, Randall Cunningham, these guys who are going to break the pocket and, you know, bust out a 20-30 game down the field. You mentioned Tom Brady, for example. You can have great footwork as a quarterback, and coaches will accept this, and you don't have to be a guy who's going to run for 10, 15 yards down the field. Just know how to maneuver around the pocket. Aaron Rodgers' footwork, among all the other great things that he does, mm-hmm. his footwork is exceptional. And this is a guy who's maybe only going to take two steps right, two steps left, but just give himself enough of a throwing window to be able to thread the needle. You don't see that too much with this quarterback. No, it's what I like about Sam Darnold when we get to the Jets. He can extend plays and throw on the run and do those things that you have to be able to do uh, in today's NFL. We'll take some calls coming up, 800 We'll get into the Jets coming up. Of course, we're going to be wrapping up this Mets season today. 
Uh, a wild day in baseball as you have two tiebreakers in the National League. We already know the Brewers knocked off the Cubs, so the Brewers go straight on to the Division Series where they will have home field advantage, and the Cubs now await the loser of a Rockies-Dodgers game that is still ongoing. The Dodgers with a 5-1 lead uh, that they have uh, just taken. It starts to get late there. So a lot to do is the Sports Zone going until 9 o'clock. Myself, Pete McCarthy, and Dan Grossa with you on the uh, Voice of New York, 710 WOR. 11. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. And we're hanging out tonight with Dan Grassa, who is uh, with us uh, for the next few hours. Here's we'll be on until 9 o'clock. We'll have Tim Healy, Anthony DeComo, who covers the Mets all season long for Newsday, MLB.com, respectively. Uh, we'll have them in studio in the 8 o'clock hour, and we'll be mixing uh, some Mets in as we go. But uh, let's get to know you a, a little bit here, Dan. Yeah. Well, yes, it, it's exactly like... <laughs> it's exactly what we're looking at here. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're like me, a tortured soul. Uh, Mets, Jets. Now, are you old enough for '86? Or... I was old enough for '86. Okay, so I, you I, had I, that at least. I was very young, but I do remember it well. That was you know one of my earliest sports memories, as a matter of fact. And uh, let me ask, or I'll say this: in those teams in the mid to late '80s with the New York Mets. If you would have told young Daniel way back when that this isn't how it was always going to be, <laughs> I think it would have been pretty disappointed then. Because I thought that that's how it always was going to be, Pete. I thought that they were just going to be good and compete for a World Series like every year because that's all I knew. I really didn't know what I was signing up for when I was five years old and decided to be a Mets fan. I really didn't even get the choice. I was born right, into it. Exactly. You know, Same thing. If I was a Yankee fan, I would have been disowned. This was made very clear to me as a young child. Uh, so, you know, if you... You knew at the time what it would all be about. I, I might have rethought it. Being a, thing a Yankee fan is like taking the easy way out. Let's be honest. Well, that, that's what I felt about Saturday and why fans come all out to see David Wright. They pack out the stadium in an otherwise meaningless game. You mean fireworks night wasn't going to sell the place out? Probably not the on Miami its own. The Miami Marlins, the Don, penultimate game of the season. Even really? Don Mattingly being that opposing dugout wasn't quite going to do it. Um but the the loyalty of Mets fans that goes so far beyond that passion, part of it has to be the presence of the Yankees. That it it all could have been much easier, and, and you're always trying to convince yourself that no, wait, it's going to be worth it. It's better to be this way because I don't take anything for granted, and at some point I'm going to have that moment right. there. It's all going to pay off, and they've been few and far between and over the years, waiting. unfortunately. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because you can almost paint that parallel to what happened on Saturday night compared to a guy like Jeter and what his last game was. And remember, for a lot of years there, from a Met fan perspective, David Wright was viewed as almost the Mets' answer to Jeter, right? Mm -hmm. He was the homegrown player, sure. the young guy who was, you know, matinee idol, all that stuff. And unfortunately, we know that it took a detour down the road, but, you know, just contrast their finales there. Jeter gets the walk-off hit, places going crazy at Yankee Stadium. David Wright pops out to the first baseman in foul territory. And that, my friend, unfortunately, sums it up in a nutshell what it's like to be a Met fan. Uh, to some degree, and I know it's easy to make that parallel. One thing to keep in mind, Derek Jeter had a, a full season. He was playing every day. It's true. David Wright hadn't played it in two years and four months until he got one at bat right. on Friday, and that's how he walked into his 
uh, plate appearances on Saturday. To me, the fact they put the ball in play was a, a success. He didn't strike out in one of those final three at-bats. No, That's they, what I was afraid of, that he'd go out there, strike out, strike out, strike out, and that would be the end. Let me ask you a question. And again, put yourself in David Wright's shoes, if you can, just for Friday night. Right? You haven't had a major league at-bat in two years. Now, if it was me... I would have probably at least taken a pitch. You know, maybe get cut, maybe even take two pitches. No. No, you're swinging right away. Don't I'm, you want to savor it a little bit? I'm, I'm swinging right away. Really? I, I don't want to strike out. And he, if you listen to him in, in the build up to the at bat, he's talking about low expectations that he had. And it's not like he was hitting the ball a ton down the minor leagues either. To me, you just want to put the ball in play. That is some level of success. So the first pitch he had that was in the strike zone, boom, go after it. And even afterwards, he said, well, at least I put 96 miles per hour in play. This is the bar for David Wright at this point. It's why he's retiring and, and going to be physically unable to play going forward. It's true. And, you know, a lot of other people kind of were th- tossing out there the concept of maybe, well, should who, Friday night was Jose Urania? Right, if I'm not mistaken, pitching that yes, Friday night. Friday, yes, okay. that's who we faced. Yeah. Should he or and you know whoever was pitching on Saturday too? Should they groove one into no. David Wright? Yeah, and that's what I said. I said the same thing. Like, no, this is professional baseball. I said whoever the pitcher is going to be. Remember, this is all going to go on tape. He's auditioning for a job next year, whether it's on the Marlins or some other club out there. He's not just going to. I mean, he's got no relationship or affinity to David Wright. He shouldn't be under any obligation to do something like that. Well, it's the same question with Peter O'Brien, right? The, the new villain. For catching the pop-up, and I, like everybody else, I was in the ballpark, and I'm thinking, get to the stands, get to the stands, get to the stands. When he settles under it, uh, find a way to blow this, please. But he did, O'Brien did the right thing. If he had intentionally dropped that ball, what kind of pity party are we putting on if that's the case? And I know it was a disappointing end, but it was the right thing by O'Brien. But you said you were in the ballpark, but did you get a chance to see a replay of that on television? Because, and I was watching it from home, there was a time there where he looked like he was going through this like inner conflict. Should I or shouldn't I? And I thought for a second that he, I actually thought for a second he might drop the ball on purpose or maybe not come up with the play. Just because I was like watching his body language, watching his face, and I'm thinking he knows that he would be the number one villain in this ballpark if he catches that baseball. But he ended up making the catch. He knew it at the moment, I'm sure. Can you imagine what's being yelled at him as he is settling under that pop-up? Has to happen, unfortunately. But it's the right play. It and he right took play. it well. I'll, I'll give O'Brien some credit. Yeah, he was saying afterwards, "Hey, if you're booing the, if they're booing you on the road, you're doing something right." But that's not really. <laughs> it's like he hit three home runs against the Mets. He's getting booed for that. He's getting booed because he caught a pop. You made a routine pop yeah. up, a put out. Yeah. But but he seemed to embrace it because he got killed again yesterday. <laughs> and I, I wonder, fans don't forget. Next year he comes back. Is he? Is everyone going to remember? Oh, that's the guy who caught David Wright's last <laughs> out. That son of a gun. But uh, yeah, one of those fun moments and and part of. You know what's um what's fun about being a Mets fan? So you got the Mets fandom in you. Yeah, you're a Jets fan as well, and Jet now as well. you're doing the pre-post. So you are. I'm like all in. Yeah. I'm invested completely. I don't yeah. know if I could handle that as a as a human. To <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes I need to step away from the Jets because it's uh it well, gets deep. And you know this. I mean, you know, you you get into this business, and then you know, the professional responsibilities take over. And as the years go by, you become less of a fan anyway. And mm-hmm. I've kind of over the 
the years distance myself from some of the t- I mean, obviously, I'm always going to pull for them. And, you know, when you are in business with one, for example, like I am with the Jets now, mm-hmm. I want them to do well on a variety of fronts, personally, professionally, economically, every reason. So, I mean, if you can be a homer, not a homer, maybe that's not the right word, but if you can wave the pom-poms ever so slightly, this would be a good reason to do so. But you get it. Right, you you get what a Jets fan is all about. When you're taking those phone calls, I'm sure after yesterday's loss to the Jaguars, which is terrible. Right, uh, not that they lost, but how they lost. You know what's going on on the the other side. Absolutely, and, and that's been a fun experience. I know for me here with the Mets. You, you I, I was that guy for a lot of years. I mean, we, me and my family, we had season tickets for, geez, over 20 years. So, I mean, I spent every Sunday at, at the Meadowlands. So I, and I lived and died with these losses. I cannot tell you, by the way. All right? And I'll, I'll, I'll give this little revelation here on the air. Who cares? Long time has passed. I cannot tell you how many Mondays during the football season that young Dan Grassa missed school because he could not face the world after a difficult Jets loss. I'm not kidding. And my parents, I, I love them to death, they were great about it. They understood. They got it. Like, yeah, all right, stay home. You that soft, Dan? You, you couldn't handle a little razzin? Uh, really? Not razzin, <laughs> just emotion, the emotional investment in these games. It's an, Were you at home crying all day Monday? I mean, you, did you watch the games? Do I have to um, refresh your memory about um, uh, how painful some of these games were? I'm a huge were? diehard Mets, uh, Jets, uh, the whole thing. So I, there I you got go. my butt to school on monday you know i remember after the mets lost the subway series not only did i go to school the next day which was not easy or there were if it was a saturday whatever the next school day i wore a mets jersey to school i I invited the whole thing went all in well that was a good thing that i had to wear a uniform every day so i didn't have to you know wear any team gear so i was good about that yeah that was probably a better (laughs) decision than what i dealt with but you know if you're a fan you got to be a fan on the bad days too right you got to show your face. And you can't jump ship. My, I had season tickets. I jumped ship after the butt fumble game. That was my breaking point. Do you know the butt But f- now I'm back in. Can I tell you the butt fumble game, by the way? To me, that is like one of the most overrated. And I'm only, I'm not saying this just because, you know, I work for the Jets, but to me, the butt fumble thing was always so overrated because that game was already so far out of reach. And that was in the midst of that. I mean, Ray would know the Patriots scored like three or four touchdowns in the span of a minute or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So that game was already a disaster. The butt fumble thing was just like icing on the cake, but that doesn't define that game. To that me. whole night, I gave up. Thanksgiving dinner Thanksgiving. with my family to go all the way out to Jersey and watch that. No, no, yeah. that is not overrated. That one play, fine, but that minute sequence play, of mean, my life. The one play is what I meant. That yeah. was a low point. One of the great nights of the Metal One of the great nights. Ray, were you there? Yes, I was, absolutely. I would expect Big you to. Patriots fan. Yeah, yeah all right, you're done. Ray, Ray, you're producer. We've got to keep the clock moving here. we got Wayne Randazzo coming up. We don't have any time for this Patriots crap. As he's starting to you know, get all cocky again because they won a game. He thought the season was over two days ago like all these idiots up in New England. Unfortunately, order is restoring itself, I think. Wayne Randazzo pre-post WOR, uh, Mets Radio Network will be with us. Uh, we'll talk about his Cubs losing today and, of course, uh, recap some of what's happening here with the New York Mets. It's Sports Zone, Pete McCarthy, Dan Grasso with you on the Voice of New York, 710 WOR. You're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. This I hate this song even when the Cubs lose. Uh, we uh, continue here at the Sports Zone. Pete McCarthy, Dan Grassa, and we're joined right now by Wayne Randazzo, pre-post on the WOR Mets Radio Network. What state you in right now, Wayno? As you head on back home, I'm still in New York, and I decided to fly, so I'm uh, I'm about to get on an airplane right now and just uh, 
do it the easy way. Smart man. Smart man. Does that mean you had time to take in the, the Cubs game today? I did. I watched it. Is that, is that all you want to go into? <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched the game. And the Brewers, you know, that's a, that's a really good team that's gotten really hot in September. And a lot of times we see that ride all the way to the end. So uh, we'll see how far Milwaukee can take that. They certainly look like a team that can win the pennant right now. Hey, Wayne, it's Dan Grasso. How's everything going? Hi, Dan. How you doing? Good. I, I'm curious, though, from a Cubs perspective, though, the fact that, because we were talking about this off the air a little bit earlier, like the tiebreaker game is great, but it, it does seem like a little bit of the drama is sapped from it a bit because even the loser of these games today, they still have another game tomorrow. It's not like their season is finished completely. Do you, is there any of that solace that kicks in despite coming up short today? Well, maybe a little bit. I mean, it was not an elimination game, but it was a game where now you're backed up against it. You used a lot of relievers today, and now you're you're the Cubs. You probably have to use John Lester and Kyle Hendricks tomorrow. Maybe Cole You have to just use your entire starting rotation to get to Thursday. So it doesn't leave you with much as far as being able to be ready for the next round. And while the Brewers have two days off, Hader can rest, Jeremy Jeffress can rest, and then get their rotation in order largely. Hey, you worry about seeing the Brewers again in the division series? Uh, yeah, I think if you're the Cubs, you're worried less about that than you are worried about going home after tomorrow. So, um, you know, I think they'd like another shot at the Brewers, and if they can earn it against what looks to be Colorado right now, uh, you know, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting for the Rockies too to fly across the country tonight and get in late, and then have to play tomorrow. So it'll be a uh, be a weird day. These two teams might be beat up. You know, Wayne, we, Pete and I were talking a little while ago about the spectacle there on Saturday night at the ballpark honoring David Wright and the ceremonies and everything, and it really came off great. And I, I'm curious because for, for someone that didn't grow up in New York, around the Mets, around David Wright, I, I'm just wondering how much did you get to know him over the last several years working with the team, even though he wasn't necessarily there day in and day out? Yeah, truthfully, Dan, not not that much, uh, and certainly not as much as I wanted to to get to know David. He you know, in four seasons that I've been with the Mets, I saw him play 78 games, including these uh, two that he got to play Friday and Saturday. So uh, that's not even a half a season in four years. So it, he was not around a lot. He was hurt a lot in 2015, 16, and the surgeries wiped him out the last couple of years. So it was, uh, it was, it was, I did not have the same experience that he did, that he had, that everybody else had around him. So, well, two days later, what sticks with you from Saturday night? Um, what's, what's saying? Uh, I don't know what Sounds okay. like TSA pre-check. Right. Yeah, you got me. Um, as far as, say that again? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> what's going on? Where you at? Pre-check? Oh, okay. Yeah. Make it happen, baby. Uh, so uh, two days later, as far as right goes, what, what sticks with you, Wayne? Well, it was, it was a great night for David and, you know, it was uh, something that he, certainly earned and i'm glad he got the opportunity to do it you know he was able to put on the uniform again and that's uh that's something that you know really really is is difficult you never see this before two and a half years between games and really uh and all these injuries and the surgeries that locked them out it, it, it is something that he earned and deserved and i'm glad he was able to physically even do that all right, Wayne, uh, we'll let you go and, and head back home. Good luck uh, to your Cubbies tomorrow, and, and you know maybe we'll hear this at some point. We'll go, Cubs, go. I hope not. I don't know. I'm not a big Cubs. Go, Cubs there you go. We'll play it off for you. Go, Cubs, Bye, Wayne. Get one more. Bye. <laughs>
You like this song? It's catchy. That's the problem with it. It's catchy. I liked it the first couple of times, and then it doesn't leave. It it just burrows into your brain and sticks for at least a week. I think I would hate it a lot more if 2015 didn't happen. That was nice. That was good. Sweeping them, winning the pennant. It's weird seeing Murph now over there. I know. I know. He brings a different dimension to that lineup, though. Much welcomed. Now, it didn't do much for them today, but uh, you know he he was a nice addition for them coming over. He really was. Certainly, uh, you know, didn't do too much when he got back healthy again for the Washington Nationals, and that whole season was a train wreck, which you know we can get into later here. But it's a slippery slope, and when you look at the National League and the way that it stacks up right now, and you know, for all intents and purposes, it looks like the Dodgers are going to win this game, so they'll win the West. I think outside of the Atlanta Braves. I think any one of those other four teams could go on and make it to the World Series. I really believe that. Uh, I love the Brewers. I think when you get to October, it's all about your bullpen. Your starting pitchers are going four or five innings, and it's been trending less and less every single day, every single year. Right. So who has the bullpen that you trust the most going into these playoffs? For a team like Boston, historically good during the regular season, I don't think they're going anywhere when they don't have anybody to depend on the seventh inning, the eighth inning to get outs in front of Craig Kimbrell. That's a huge problem. Well, I'll, I'll even take it a step further with Boston, and I'm with you there. I think the fact that you have this uncertainty right now surrounding Chris Sale and how effective he's going to be, mm-hmm. that to me would give me more concern than anything with the Boston Red Sox, absent of the bridge to Craig Kimbrell, because I think Chris Sale, if he is not the dominant, arguably one of the best pitchers in baseball, if he's not at that level for the playoffs, that's a guy that you're not going to be able to throw out there three times in a series and hope that he gets you home. Even if he is great, but he can't do it for eight innings, and he can only go six, you have this big hole in your game if you're the Boston Red Sox. I do not like the way it sets up for them. I think it's a much different game and much different strengths help you out. And it's why the Brewers, with Josh Hader, to have that kind of weapon that can carry multiple innings for you, uh, even Jeffress and, and what he could do as well. How many well. tours of duty for Jeffress with the Brewers, right? I mean, they just keep Couple. bringing him back. and I mean, it's like he's on the life program there. Whatever works, you know? It, it's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's true, and they've been great all year. Knable scares me a little bit. Remember, he yeah. had that stint in the minor leagues, too, just to try to straighten some things out this year. But those three guys, boom, 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 your Craig Council gives you a lot of peace at the end of a baseball game, knowing that you have guys to finish it out. And the Dodgers are interesting. They, they still have Kenley Jansen. You have the big name. Dave Roberts goes to about 40 relievers to get four outs these days, uh, and he'll have that kind of flexibility even without the 40-man roster, but in the playoffs when you can go so heavy with your pen. Mm-hmm. It's such a smart organization. You feel like they'll figure some things out, and they're they'll be interesting. But I, organization. I love the Brewers, man. I, I really think they're the favorites going into this thing. Let me ask you a question, though. How, what, do, what are your thoughts on bullpenning and, and the phenomenon that that became here this year? I never thought it would work in the regular season, that you would have to... Get start, get innings from your starting pitching because you can't just pitch the same guys over and over and over. But the way the teams now manipulate the roster, right? Where they're sending players down to AAA and calling them back up time and time again, it's, it's not really an eleven man pitching staff anymore. Now it's twelve, thirteen as it is, and you're extending that to fourteen, fifteen if you keep optioning these guys back and forth. So the way that teams are able to manipulate it now. It works, and you can pull it off, which I don't find it as 
appealing. I don't think it's appealing. I mean, I'm more old school. I like the traditional. You get a five-man rotation. And remember Tampa Bay, and look, Tampa Bay to me, obviously the surprise of baseball this year, what they've done, maybe even more so than Oakland. But Tampa Bay did it as a necessity at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year because they didn't have five caliber starting pitchers. And they won 90 games. Incredible. And if you're a team going into the playoffs and you see that kind of success, don't you consider doing a little bit of that? I think if you're faced with the predicament of, okay, we're up against it here when it comes to our pitching staff, I think that's a viable option for you. Right? I mean, because you've seen that it has success. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I think that, yeah, why? Well, I mean, people already bring that up over the last couple of weeks. If, if that's maybe an avenue the Yankees should go down for the wild card game. And it, it makes some sense. If you don't have one guy that you trust, well, all right, so you throw a bullpen arm early, but you don't even have to do that. I think it's just about having the quick hook. As soon as your starting pitcher gets in trouble, if he's not an ace, right. he's out. And that's what you're going to see in these wild card games. When it's winner take all, I mean, do or die. Think about what the Yankees had last year against Severino. Did he even make it through the first inning against Minnesota? He was awful. Yeah. So, I mean, as you said, it's all hands on deck. Pitchers are going to have the quick hook. If they can't go out there and get it done, they're not going to be long for the game. It's a good year to sponsor that call to the bullpen. Oh, absolutely. Be a lot good of that going around. Yeah. <laughs> 800-321-0710. Again, 800-321-0710 to get involved in the show. We'll be diving into the Jets a little bit later. Mix in some Mets with Jeff Wilpon had to say yesterday. Uh, also, we'll have Anthony DeComo and Tim Healy. Spent all year covering the Mets for MLB.com and Newsday, respectively, in studio with us in the 8 o'clock hour. It's the Sports Zone, Pete McCarthy with Dan Grassa on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. It's the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on 710 WOR. Right, hanging out here in the Sports Zone, Pete McCarthy with Dan Grassa tonight. And Dan, we've tackled some of what you came up with, Mets, Jets. Yes. And, uh, and part of that, you know, we're the radio home of Rutgers football uh, as we well. We have to Rutgers go there. Basketball, so. Do we have to go there? <laughs> we could, we could jump we? in. How, how bad is it? How bad? <laughs> I like how you, yeah, because, you know, it's, it's no hair off of your back. You just say, ah, oh, well, you know what? Well, oh, we, we could jump in. We, we have Chris Ash on every Friday. So, you know, I've been, I've been up on it. You know, we used to have Coach Flood on the, the show here, but I don't, I don't have the background yes. of, Truly living and dying uh, with with all that's happening there. Let's just say the football season has not started off very well <laughs> on Saturdays or Sundays, to be quite honest with you. And look, I was very optimistic this year about this team. I mean, I wasn't saying Rose Bowl, but I didn't think that it was out of the realm of possibility for them to win six mm-hmm. and go to a bowl game. I thought that that would have been, I mean, year three of the program of, you know, Chris Ash. I thought that that was the next step, and unfortunately, when you've already had some of these winnable games go by, and in a couple of them you weren't even competitive, to say that uh, it's disappointing would be an understatement. How jarring was it to see a couple of weeks ago when Buffalo is in? Granted, it's not a big program, it's not a big draw, right? but it wasn't. there weren't a whole lot of people in the crowd. A lot of people were leaving at halftime, and to have an apathy set in around a program that has been well-supported over the years. It's tough. And, you know, it's funny. A lot of people come up to me all the time because they know I you know, went to the school. I'm a fan and everything. And, you know, the latest disappointing result, they come up to you and kind of just say, boy, don't you think that they were they regret going to the Big Ten? You know, remember, this is, they're not even losing to Big Ten teams prior to last week. You're getting beat by Buffalo. You're getting beat Kansas, mm-hmm. for crying out loud. 
And no, I still think overall that was the right. I mean, it's a no-brainer. When you think about, number one, the financial ramifications, what it means for your school. I mean, the Big Ten is as prestigious a conference as you have across the country. So from that standpoint, it's a no-brainer. And you hope that it opens up better doors for you in terms of recruiting down the line and so on and so forth. But if you are a program which is trying to get its feet underneath them and you are trying to install a new culture and all this stuff, it is nightmarish to be able to do it in that conference cuz think about those teams you're playing each and every year there's no escaping it. Now I was in Chicago a couple of years ago I ended up in a Michigan bar and they were playing Rutgers okay. and every time Michigan was scored the they would play the fight game? song. It was and it was basically just playing on a loop the yeah. whole night. It was uh it was Yeah, we still pretty. got them later this year. <laughs> That's and, still and you know, to come. And you know what the funny part about it is too like I said, you know, you looked at the schedule and you tried to identify yeah. six wins before it started. Because at the very end of the schedule, the last four games, I forgot what the order is, but that's the gauntlet. Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. So if you thought that the Kansas and the Buffalo games were bad, wait till November gets here, Pete. Brace yourself. It's going to be some fun coaches shows. Winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and winter's coming for the Jets and Giants. It would appear earlier than we were hoping as well. If you were to be optimistic about either of these teams, find a way back into the mix. Give us some hope for this football season, Dan. Who does it rest with? I still think overall that there's more optimism and maybe at least a better chance to do some damage in 2018 with the Giants than it is with the Jets. Because the Jets, look, they're far from a finished product right now. This is a team that's still trying to find its way, take that next step. You're doing it to develop a rookie quarterback. Just on the Jets to quickly, at the end of this year, apart from the wins and losses, and everybody would like to win, don't get me wrong, you want to win as many games as possible, but at the end of the year, you're a Jet fan, you want to be able to say, you know what? We got our starting quarterback. We've got our future. He's the goods. And then you take whatever the wins-losses record is, and you say... We're going to take that into us, and next year we'll be better. Giants, this is a win-now team. You're supposed to win. Obviously, you drafted Saquon Barkley. You spent all that money in the offseason. And that NFC East, let's be real, who's running away with it? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's running away with it. Nobody will run away with it. So that's why, yes, you're 1-3. Yes, you're off to a tough start. And this was kind of to be expected because you looked at that Giants schedule before the season started. There were some difficult games. Not going to get any easier Next week when you're going to Carolina, off of a bye. Come home to play Philadelphia, not easy. Go down to Atlanta, even though they got all kinds of problems, mm-hmm. that's still not a, a, a fun place to play. So it was going to be challenging first half of the season for them. You want to be able to at least get to the midway point, I think, if you're the Giants, with with at least three, four wins to be able to salvage something in the second half. And that's going to be tough. Yeah, they could be three and four, three and five the first half. That might be enough, as you mentioned, with how... Top heavy the schedule is, and one thing I, I do worry about with the Giants though is we saw this team self destruct in right. some ways last year, and I understand a lot of that was put on Ben McAdoo, but you get off to the kind of start where you have to win ten out of eleven games to go on a run. Does this team stay together and keep it together in the in the way that they need? I I, I think. That's going to be incumbent, of course, upon Pat Shermer as the head coach. And look, we're still learning about him. Mm-hmm. I know that he had a cup of coffee, of course, there in, in Cleveland coaching the team. And you can't really gauge a lot from that. It was still a long time ago. You know, it's going to be those trials and tribulations, adversity. That is when you learn about not only your coach, but the players you have in that locker room. Do I think that if they do go through some lean weeks, is it going to self-destruct like it did last year? No, I don't think so. That was a disaster because I think that to a man, I still think the guys in this locker room have respect 
for Pat Shermer. I don't think they had respect for for uh, Ben McAdoo. And it takes years to lose it in the way that McAdoo lost it. Typically, you don't come in within four games, you're losing a team or anything like that. Right. You, you have just, that honeymoon period absolutely. where guys will cut you a break for a little while. And that was a guy who went to the playoffs in his first year. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why sometimes these things could be fickle. You know, you get you catch lightning in a bottle at the right time, they won their double-digit games, and then it seemed like everything began to go downhill with them with the boat trip. The boat trip before the playoff game. And I, at the time, I did not blame that party as the reason why they lost to the Packers, but it's still a bad optic. And now in hindsight, it looks even worse. So from that moment on, the Ben McAdoo train just went completely off the rails. Well, it does show you, as much as young players especially think, hey, this is going to be my career. I'm going to be in it every year, right? right? We were talking about David Wright before, winning the division in 2006. You think every year is going to be like oh, that? Yeah. It's not the way it goes. You can't take anything for granted. Especially in the NFL, where parity yeah. reigns supreme. Unless your careers are short, too. And careers are short, right? Yeah. So, uh, again, 800-321-0710, the number 800-321-0710. Uh, we'll be deep diving into the Mets in the 8 o'clock hour. Don't worry, we got you covered. Anthony DeComo, MLB.com. Tim Healy of Newsday will be with us. And we'll uh, jump into the Jets here. Thirty-one twelve loss to the Jaguars yesterday. Is Todd Bowles in over his head at this point uh, with Gang Green? Uh, we're hanging with Dan Grossop right now, a news update. Thanks to you.